0: Hello and welcome to Popmosis Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Moses podcast. Well, at least this episode is because we are <laughs> doing something very special for me. We're talking about a movie that is near and dear to my heart. And that is Dawn of the Dead, and we'll get into why as we break down the movie. But this is also the first in a series of very special Halloween movies. So we're doing four. Normally we do every other week. So we're working hard for you guys this month, getting four movies out, even though I'm not on one of those episodes.
1: (laughs) But If you've been listening to our show and you heard our intro, you'd be like, wait a minute, this intro doesn't sound like the other episodes. Because it's spookified. (laughs) <laughs> yes,
0: it's, it's haunted, as are yeah. all the episodes for this month. And even if you're not listening to it now, which is October of 2020, <laughs> and hopefully you're long as 2020 and listening to it in the future. But what you could be doing is listening to it wearing an awesome t-shirt. Yeah. And so what we are doing is we're doing an awesome t-shirt giveaway. Isn't that right, Paul? Yeah, yeah, we're doing a giveaway. So, what you do it's really simple. You just subscribe to my YouTube channel, Josiah is right, W R I T E. Subscribe to this YouTube channel. If you're listening um, on Spotify or something else, head over to YouTube and subscribe, even though thank you for listening wherever you listen. Yeah. Head over to YouTube, subscribe to both. Be sure to comment on any Potmoses video. On our YouTube for the Grand Geek Gathering. And any of my videos on Josiah is Right, and you will automatically be entered as long as your subscription thing is uh, public. So we, that I can see, we can mm-hmm. see that you're both subscribed. And what you will get, or be entered to get, and maybe we'll send 100 of these out. I doubt it, but we'll send out more than one. I guarantee you that. You will get uh, either a Josiah is Right t shirt a Popmosis t-shirt, or a Grand Geek Gathering t-shirt. And we're working on some extra t-shirt designs for the future, so then there's at least, we'll say, at least three winners for sure, because right now we have three t-shirts.
2: We're thinking of designing a shirt for Jux Bazooki, coinage. <laughs> so <laughs> let's work on that, guys. And we'll send it to you via t-shirt cannon. Yeah, so, yes, The t-shirt, the t-shirt cannon. Or, or Amazon TV drone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> which, which I assume what? is a t-shirt Just cannon.
2: Josiah can, like... Right around the, the your neighborhood, like Paperboy, you know the video game, like throw it to you, <laughs> you know, throw it at
0: dogs. Oh, so, uh, this movie, being a Pittsburgh movie, kind of got me going. So, I'll save all that nonsense and I'll get into the oh, specs. So hey, we- go ahead.
2: An idea: Paperboy versus zombies. There you go. The sequel. The, the kid is the uh, Patient Zero, right? And then there's a zombie apocalypse, and he has to fight them off of newspapers, like
1: paul that could be that could be your fanfic though speaking of fanfiction, no okay i don't know
2: <laughs> it's uh coming out arcade Blockfire. <laughs> i mean ooh, blackfire sorry i'm you blockfire. don't
0: even know your own <laughs>
2: <laughs> but paul can't if, even <laughs> complete it
0: because he's getting his own instagram uh, yeah
2: there's like 50,000 like followers from uh, arcade blockfire. this whole time i've been pitching my own instagram it's like... <laughs> Love the podcast. I don't know what you're talking about. What's (laughs) this popmosis? Leave me alone.
0: (laughs) I hate movies.
1: Oh, man. Speaking of movies.
0: (laughs) Speaking of movies. Dawn of the Dead. So Dawn of the Dead was released. There's two versions. The first version was released September 1st, 1978. And that is 119 minutes long. That is the Dario Argento cut, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. And the Romero cut, George Romero, the director, April 19th, 1979, which was interesting to me because this movie we think of as a 1978 movie, but in the United States it did not release until 1979. What? So, yeah, it's kind of flipped over. Like, it's backwards from what you expect. That's But weird. it was technically – it is a 1978 movie, but not even the version that we as Americans are most familiar with. How
1: did a, how did a indie movie from Pittsburgh – be an international like film first. That's the weirdest thing
2: to me. Well, there's this thing before the internet called word of the mouth, right? Newspapers, and, <laughs> well, and that's how things kind of became, became popular. Those European, well, actually, those
0: Europeans are weird. <laughs> but that is kind of true because um, so Night of the Living Dead actually became very, very popular in Europe after the fact, like many years later. So like it throughout in the in the oh, 70s, wow. that movie was kind of had a legs after its initial release it was released in i think 68 so that kind of was what sort of spurred it on so continuing through i'm the... pretty sure they
1: considered a documentary in romania just kidding um that was a terrible <laughs> joke <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh you're
1: that was sad written and directed audience. by, pop, written, uh, and directed pop, by. Pop, pop moses film where we burn romania in every episode <laughs> I'm, oh, just kidding. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding romania is awesome and uh, i'm sure the people are as well hopefully Somebody out there is like, what the
2: fuck, Tyler? Holy shit! I know.
1: We just lost <laughs> Wait, the whole the country. Count that? I, oh, I have
2: the Dario Gento on I know. the mind. So
1: we'll get there, yeah. we're no, almost like, I so. don't want to suck your blood. Oh. Like, that's what also, they're going to say.
2: There's the extended cut with with extra footage where it has uh, the police on the dock. And one of the police officers is actually Joe Pilato, who is uh, Captain Rhodes in Day of the Dead. You know, he's the main, like, villain. And he goes, mm. uh, choke on them, choke on them as the, as the zombies are tearing them apart. So there's like this fanfic that, that they believe that that's the cat, like him, early on in the zombie apocalypse, and him and Day of the Dead is like
0: towards the end. What? So, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, there you probably go. not, but yeah, fans love that. Song. So written and directed <laughs> by George Romero. Um, <laughs> I met him by the way.
2: Oh, Joe Pilato?
0: Yeah, he was at uh, an, an event. I'll get to the event. So oh, okay. yeah. So, written and directed by George Romero, produced by Richard Rubenstein, who, like Romero, came up in commercials. They actually worked together producing a series of uh, sports films for like the NFL in the mid-'70s, kind of during the, so the dark era. Me. I know, during the dark era for Romero. There's a really great documentary done by the NFL Network uh, called – I forget what it's called. It's it's but it's it's about George Romero and the Pittsburgh Steelers at that time and how he would make these documentaries. Because you know, he was he's even though he's not from Pittsburgh, I always call him the most um Pittsburgh. i call him. I call him. the most the most Pittsburgh non-Pittsburger ever. He's just that kind of guy. He's like even when you hear him talk, he just has like Is this, that what like, you're calling from there? A Pittsburger? Pittsburger. I guess right. that makes sense. Yeah, burger. <laughs> so uh but he they work together on these and the documentary on NFL Network is really good because it explores The phenomenon of of Romero zombies against the phenomenon of the the Steelers in the 70s. So it kind of looks at sports through the lens of culture, which is Ah. always to me more interesting. Because I enjoy sports, but I prefer to look at it the way I look at films, through the lens of our greater culture. and Sort of what it says about us as opposed to team beating team. Even though, of course, I root for my teams. And I'm a Pittsburgh guy, so we know who I root for. Those of you who follow sports out there. Yeah,
1: go Chicago Bulls with with those three-pointer touchdowns it and you know it was, yeah. it shows yeah. and the birdies
0: it shows that tyler doesn't know sports because he picks the one professional sport that pittsburgh doesn't have basketball do they really <laughs> not there's no, no basketball team no <laughs> so but rubenstein um he was romero's producer through the 70s and 80s he did a lot of stephen king stuff in like the 80s and the early 90s uh he also I, he is producing the upcoming doom movie because he produced the night the not the 90s but the well, late 90s, 2000s, very early 2000s, the Dune and the Dune. I think they did Dune the and Children of Dune oh,
3: yeah.
1: on a
0: miniseries on sci fi. So he produced those, so he's attached himself to the new one, even though I doubt he's doing anything. Probably not. And then I like also the Garnet Dead that. remake. So. And I mentioned the screening that I had. So I used to run a film festival and we had an event in Pittsburgh, which is a big highlight of me at a theater called the Oaks Theater in Oakmont, Pennsylvania, which is up the river from up the Allegheny River, specifically from the city of Pittsburgh. Hmm. And uh, Tom Savini was there who did the makeup. Uh, Michael Gornick was there who did the cinematography. Uh, A few other people were there for Day of the Dead. Because oh. Mr. Rubenstein wouldn't let Dawn of the Dead be screened. Why? He holds the rights to it. I don't know. So I didn't book the screening. We just uh, I booked my aspect of the film festival, which mm. was short films. And so I don't know why, but he wouldn't let it happen. He's just very protective of the rights to that film for some reason. Don't know why. Makes um, sense. I mean,
1: as, as the film is on YouTube in full, but that's cool. But, that, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. he's doing a great job.
0: <laughs> so it stars David M- MG as Steven, or, or more commonly known in the film as Flyboy, who we'll probably refer to him. Ken Forey as Peter, who I met at a different event. I that's met my him in LA. Favorite character, just spoiler <laughs> alert. Just... He's such a cool guy in real life because like, I met him and I was like, hi, I, I, I'm from Pittsburgh. And he's like, good. For you. But like <laughs> like super cool about it. Like yeah. and it was like, he's like right you know, on it was yeah. it was kinda gonna be like, okay, you gonna buy a picture <laughs> or a poster? And I'm like, see ya like <laughs> <that> was me. <laughs> I'm like twenty bucks <laughs> for a signed picture. Yeah, he's a really nice guy. I talked to him for a little bit just about like, you know, Don of Dead obviously and being from Pittsburgh and stuff in the mall, you know, things that we'll bring up here. Scott Reiniger as Roger and Galen Ross as Francine. Mm-hmm. And I, I was having trouble blocking down what the budget was. I've seen numbers as low as 650000 and as high as $1.5 but my guess is it did not exceed a million. I would be surprised yeah. if it went to $1.5 million. They, ma- they made a lot happen with very little, and it was definitely a huge, huge, huge movie compared to uh, Night of Living Dead, but it was I mean, a I, small movie. It was a little more colorful. <laughs> For
2: sure. <laughs> what was the marketing budget?
1: <laughs> is that a real question? Yeah, um, it was. It was just. It was just <laughs> Europe, probably. So
2: one euro. I'm just kidding. Well, no, I was gonna make a joke because, well, like the they had to put a newspaper ad. Like they didn't have like it. call theater for details. Like they put an ad in newspaper. Call, call theater for details. Oh yeah, and you call. Hey, what are they playing? We're playing Dawn of the Dead in one theater. It was
1: yeah. It, it was free because the theaters were just like, hey, uh, we may play this if you if you come so in. So what was
0: that at the time like five dollars. Like. Yeah, well, so what Paul's uh, alluding to is the film was released unrated, and that's one of the things kind of, to Rubinstein's credit, like, we kind of talked about how he wouldn't let me be involved in the screening of the film, which is not technically true, but indirectly true. Yeah. But what it was is he, he, he was basically a good producer, because he would let Romero do what Romero needed to do creatively, and Romero is, like, known, or was known, rest in peace, uh, as being super, or I guess he's a zombie guy, so he should not rest in peace, but as being a super... That's not an inappropriate joke for a George Romero zombie movie I think, episode. I think, I think he would approve. <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> um, so, but he would let Romero do what he wanted to do. He was not, like, involved in creative decisions. Mm. That was Romero's thing, and he was the money man. He was kind of like – know, he's from New York as well as as Romero, but he's more of the stereotypical New Yorker, that tough guy, kind of pushy guy. And, you know, he made things happen for Romero, and that was – why it worked out the relationship did through, uh, and then they worked together at least throughout the eighties. I don't like, know. It's, they... like Tra-
1: it's like Trey Parker and Matt Stone or Matt Stone is the only one like Trey Parker is not allowed to talk to comedy central. Everything has to go through Matt Stone because he knows how to talk corporate. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. So, and that's what Paul was saying. So then because of that, they were having trouble finding a distributor state site or Dario Argento with his, the, the agreement was Argento co-produced the film and was also a script consultant, which is insane to think about. That a guy mm. who does not really speak English was a script c- consultant. So, like Romero, yeah. Argento, and Romero's wife would be in, like, in Rome or whatever, having these meetings. And he wrote it. He wrote the film over there. So that's crazy. This pretty Pittsburgh zombie movie. Yeah, it was written. <laughs> I don't know if it was Rome. I, I I believe it was though, but it was definitely not in Pittsburgh where he wrote it. And so he's writing it there with input from Argento, and I don't know if it's through a translator or what, but. There was definitely a language barrier, but at the same time, he's a filmmaker, so he understood. So the difference is, the most significant difference is, we'll kind of talk about, but the Romero cut is longer, and then there's even a longer cut, as Paul mentioned, in a director's cut. And then there is, in that Argento cut, it's different music as well. And Argento was actually also part of the band Goblin that did that music so as we're not going to talk so much about that version as we're watching the Romero version
1: not, not to make it sound weird but so it sounds like this this movie was like really incestuously like made it seems like like with where everybody was like connected to one thing like Tom Savini was head of makeup and then also like a main character and yeah same thing with the musician and everything it was kind of, well, that's like that's what that's how you make woven. a movie it was so weird you know if
0: if the movie was made for $650,000, though, that's how you do it. That's true. You know Especially what I mean? back it's then, like, and okay, you're shooting Tom a Tom Savini's like, I'll do your makeup, and I'll do it for basically nothing. But I'm the head of the motorcycle gang. It's
2: yeah. like, deal. <laughs> cool. I also love that Tom Savini, was he also did the stunts. So he was an actor, he did yeah, the he stunts, was like, and he did the makeup. Yeah. Wait, so he <laughs> was, was so like,
1: crazy. what? So he would be like, like, like David M.G.'s like, stunt, stunt double?
2: Yeah, there's a scene where like the motorcycle, like the motorcycle guy goes through the window, and that was him actually going through the window. And then when they threw a grenade and they and somebody like was uh, you know pushed back, that was him. Yeah, because like, like he does, he has crazy. his
0: own stunts where he like where in his character there's like a fall and that, but for the most part. He yeah, like he does other stunts as well. So yeah, because actually, this is the kind of movie that, especially in that day and age, you're not you don't have like a stunt coordinator. <laughs> yeah, and,
1: and like and this size with that small of a budget is crazy. Yeah, because they no, use exactly. a, because they use a mall like that can't be cheap. I know they probably shot at night, but damn, still
0: they did shoot at night. It's funny, a movie called Dawn of that shot all at night. So yeah, they would <laughs> literally shoot after hours when the mall was closed because the mall was like working at that time so since we're talking about the mall talk a little bit about the mall romero knew the people who built the mall and in the like mid, i think it was built in the late 60s early 70s i don't know exactly when but i grew up there i grew up going to this mall as a kid where we lived we were kind of in between both so you either go to monrovo mall or you'd go to ross park mall my friend was a little bit closer to ross park mall so we go there more often uh and that's to this day that's like the good mall if, in southern california oh, it's still open a, a, a today both malls are yeah in Pittsburgh. Those two. Wow. There's others that have that have died, but those, those two are still open. And Ross Park Mall oh, is actually malls. like <laughs> Ross Park Mall is like doing really well, but the Monroe Mall is itself a zombie. So unfortunately, oh. it's had some, like it's had you know kind of some crime and things like that. When I was in college, actually, ghosts. I used to, I went to Penn State, and uh, for the first uh, semester, then I transferred eventually to USC, and I would go to that mall right because there was a Greyhound bus station. And this is in the morning, like super early in the morning and shuffling through that mall where all the old people walkers, right? There's like this old people just walking slowly through the mall, like shuffling, shuffling, shuffling. And I'm just like staring at them like I'm in the mall from Dawn of the Dead watching a zombie shuffle through. Like that's all that's in my head as I'm waiting for a Greyhound bus to take me to Penn State. so. So anyway, so let's actually talk about the movie talking about the movie so let's let's start with uh we're not going to say the going sequence but the opening sequence itself i really want to talk about because it's a really powerful opening so this in world war z are my two favorite openings for a zombie film and i don't really necessarily love all of world war z but i think the opening 20 minutes of that are amazing amazing yeah. okay. i'll I- I
1: give it that it had character development where i didn't expect it it was weird
0: for World War Z, yeah. I don't like think it's a bad movie even after that, and it's still interesting. But I think that it's just super it's effective just, at the mm, beginning because you're yeah. just caught up in it, which is why this also works because you're just caught up in it. So, what do you guys think of the opening of Dawn? Oh man, I got
1: I got oh. opinions. Go, go, on, go ahead, Tyler. no you no you go. go. I'm 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 gonna take a second. Oh.
0: <laughs> no, I love I love the
2: opening because it, it it puts you right into the chaos. And you're in a newsroom and they're all like freaking out and they're like, hey, put up the, you know, cut the feed for the um the shelter stations because they're actually shut down and people are going to the and, and it's not safe. And it's like, no, I'll keep it up because the ratings, you know, and, and then like the there's actually a cameo with um, George Romero. He's the uh, uh he's like the director or whatever in the boardroom or like it, uh, in the. <laughs> In the room, he like he's like directing he just can't everybody. Stop working! He's working. He's,
1: just... he's working as the film is going. And work, yeah, like, like... the thing
0: is... next to him—that's his wife as well. So that was his wife. Oh, is it? The, the, okay. yeah. So the, he and his wife, who worked uh, together, she was like a producer. Like, yeah, she worked on the film as well. So it's kind of fitting that they're kind of yelling at each other on screen. But I love how it's chaotic because <laughs> usually, you know, in every movie,
2: the news is like, like the reporters are the, like the last people that like uh, keep doing their work. Like yeah. they're reporting a war or something, or like there they're was reporting about the zombies, the zombies are like overtaking a shelter or something like that. So it's like you get the sense that, oh, okay, well, then, you know, the reporters are like the journalists are already like freaking out. And like, so you have the very like thin th- thread society already like ripping apart. And then on the other hand, you have like the cops that are like attacking that apartment building to find Martinez. And you know, at the time, at least the cops were sort of like the other pillar of society, like they uphold the law and order, so you have two parts that are upholding the law and order of like society, and they 're both unraveling and so it really like has a good way of throwing into the chaos and really upping the stakes right off the bat
1: yeah i I watched this twice the first time I had no idea what was happening i didn't know if the if the outbreak actually happened or not I thought it would I thought like the guest was stating like, his theory on something, and everybody was getting mad at him for trying to create, like, mass hysteria. I was just so confused my first watching. The second watching, I understood it so much more, but I still think it was a little too chaotic for me to follow 100%, even though I know it's probably going to be realistic, or at least I would hope. But, like, I don't know. It's so chaotic, and so much is going on, and so many people are saying stuff. It's weird how, like, it was focusing on so many different parts of it as opposed to telling me what the story was i felt like i know it was doing a lot of show me not tell me stuff to it which is usually fine but it was shot so chaotically that it kind of worked against it for me it kind of it kind of turned me away from caring and maybe paying attention too much
2: well i i disagree because i think the chaos is really great because you just you, ha- you have no idea who to follow Until Flyboy goes to Fran and says, we need to get the fuck out of here. I have a helicopter. Let's go. Like, society's falling apart. And then you know, okay, those are our main characters. That's Fran. Honestly, Uh, the the first time I saw it, I I thought he was just like, hey,
1: let's go do our job. I thought the whole thing was like, let's go do our job, not escape. I was so confused at first. (laughs)
0: Yeah I'm, I'm I'm I I understand what Tyler's saying with the chaos but I lean towards Pogs I think it's effective and, Yeah, and I, I it's hard for me to like have the view of like seeing it for the first time cuz I can't tell you the first time I saw this movie I've seen this movie so many times as a kid I didn't do well with horror I didn't watch a lot of horror but I was you know I was a kid I was a like a friend of mine Charlie Kramer as yeah. a kid I, I've lost touch with him maybe yeah. he's a facebook friend I, I don't I, even know I, I love horror
1: I would I would watch like Spice World you know Josie and the Pussycats, um, North, you know, horror was my thing. That was a joke. Those are some horrible <laughs> movies.
0: So anyway, Charlie, Charlie had a, a birthday party, right? And all the kids, we were maybe in third or fourth grade, I don't know. All the kids are downstairs watching like Chucky, Freddy movies, that kind of thing. The big 80s horror movies. Too scary for me. Even though those movies, watching them in retrospect, they're not scary really. But I'm upstairs with like Charlie's sister and like the three other kids that are playing like guess who because they're scared of those movies. (laughs) That was me then. But the exception was zombie movies and specifically Romero zombie movies because I knew they were – I guess it's because I knew they were movies because they were filmed in places that I knew in the mall and things like that. So – for I, I, some reason, it made it more You're like, I know this palatable. didn't happen,
1: so I don't have to be afraid. <laughs> yeah,
0: even though this is really probably scarier than any of those movies, yet it, I could watch it. I can't quite explain why. But sort of the beginning, the opening, it's really effective for me because of that chaos. But like I said, I can't have eyes of having not seen it a million times to understand every detail of what is happening So it's hard to view that way. But what I love about it is compared to Night of the Living Dead, Night of the Living Dead is kind of like a slow burn, right? And it slowly builds up. They go slowly to the cemetery. The zombie comes slowly. And and then it amps up and ramps up throughout the film as there's tons of zombies eventually. Whereas this one, it's just you start from where that movie ends. And I think that's important to remember. This is a sequel. It's not a sequel with the same characters, but it's a sequel of that world. This is that world that Romero created in *Night of the Living Dead*, and it's this is happening, this is you know a it's night like, later, it's like, or several yeah, days later. It's
1: like it's just a carryover, yeah. Yeah,
0: and that really helps to understand the gravity of the situation because of how that movie ends when that house is just bombarded at points by the zombies. Kind of that's where this one right away starts off.
1: Yeah, I I think the whole thing with the with me in this and like and I told you guys this before, and I've told a lot of people before. I think I've even said it on several different shows. I don't like zombies. I don't like them. I don't like zombie movies. I don't... I've never really been ent- entertained by them. I've never been scared by them. I've never be- I've never particularly liked them. Except for one. Shaun of the Dead. Which is... Uh, not only is it because Edgar Wright is a perfect filmmaker in my eyes, but it's just... It's the only one where I actually care about the characters. I care about what is happening in the world. And... It 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 gets to a point where it's not really about the zombies at all. It really is just about, you know, this this jackass really trying to find love and be and be with his best or and try to figure out his status with his best friend. Am I going to keep him as a best friend or am I going to drop him? Am I going to get my girlfriend back or not? And also the comedy is is top notch as well. But I've seen
0: so. And many... that movie though is so unbelievably heavily referential to Romero.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it's like yeah. it's
0: in a way it's 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 a it's like a romance. It's a love letter to Romero. And yeah. also uh, the, the last part I have to say about this is, um, si- I believe Simon Pegg and uh, Nick Frost, Nick Frost, Nick Frost, um, were then uh, zombies in. It might have been even. It might have been oh, Wright, Land of the Dead. They were zombies in Land of the Dead. Yes. Yeah. Which That's is the amazing. First, by the way, which is still set in Pittsburgh, but it's the first Romero zombie film not filmed in Pittsburgh. He filmed it in Toronto. But <laughs> it kind of comes full circle, and yet it doesn't.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. But, yeah, like, but with, with zombie movies, I I just, I've never, because there's, I don't know. I, I just, I don't, I don't like them. I don't like watching them. I've never really enjoyed enjoyed them what
2: it? is it that just there's like too much zombies like there's walking dead there's world war z they like zombie <laughs> movies are all over the place nowadays yeah. like is it just like an oversaturation of like zombies like is that what
3: no
1: because even when i was a kid and there weren't too many zombies because like i read walking dead comic books and i saw the first two seasons of it of the walking dead show i actually like walking dead because it's not really about the zombies at all it's about these characters and it's about the humans and because it gets to a point where sometimes you even forget about the zombies like there are uh especially if you read the the walking dead comics there is like i think at one point five or six or even seven issues where there is not one zombie in them at all you just it's just a story about these humans living in a barbaric world and sometimes you just forget about the zombies and Which is totally fine, and I like that aspect of it, but I still don't really care for it. I find zombies as just... Maybe as a scapegoat, I guess, sometimes. And a lot of the movies, especially, are just not done well. Either the script-wise or the world continuity. I just feel like most zombie movies are made cheap. And there's just a lot of it they don't want to explain. I, I feel like a lot of them lack good writing. They're just like, oh the zombies are like this because of let's see. Let's just throw the let's just throw the dart at the pinboard or uh, uh, throw a dart at the uh at the cork board. Oh, uh they're zombies because of a, a virus. The uh, you know, that there's that. Or oh, let's throw well, another dart. And then it's a, it's a lab lab experiment gone wrong. And it's just
2: I don't I don't... I mean that's the thing the powerful thing about zombies is that um, you know, they're basically the dead version of, like, you know, it could be your best friend or, like, your, your sister or your, your dad, and it's just, like, these people rising up and turning up against you, and it's, like, this whore mentality that you're alone against, like, the zombies being, like, overwhelming you. And I can kind of see where you're coming from. It's like there's so many things that are zombies. Like zombies are all over the place. But, But, I mean,
1: also against that, I've never seen a movie really, really go with that minus Shaun of the Dead at the end where Ed becomes a zombie and then he's chained up. Like I feel like that had more a – Then
0: you haven't seen Day of the Dead, which is – I haven't. (laughs) Literally Day of the Dead. Like the end of the movie we screened instead of Dawn of the Dead I think is the end all be all of zombie movies because it asks some of those questions. I remember the first time I saw that because I saw it much later. And I thought, how can you make a zombie movie after this? Because it's literally like the premise is essentially like, this is the last bunker at the end of the world where they're trying to figure out the zombie mm. thing. And they're learning to communicate with one of the zombies. That's one of the things. And like learning to, like, does it still have humanity? So yeah. like when I saw... Or even a thought process. Shaun of the yeah. Dead, when I saw Shaun of the Dead, I'm like, oh my gosh! It, it's it's uh, uh, His name's Bud. Bud the zombie from Day of the Dead. Like that was what exactly yeah. what i thought of so it's like again <laughs> romero did it first man <laughs> if it's zombies yeah. romero like, did it all the, all the
2: zombie tropes <laughs> maybe not the romantic
0: like, comedy side but
2: all the zombie tropes like can be traced back to dawn of the dead it like set up everything like the the enemies or like like humans or people fighting over each other and they're actually the villains where zombies are the backdrop you know the social commentary of like consumerism all of that is traced back to dawn of the dead it's like you know, it was it's you know groundbreaking. Basically, it's like this small little film that like changed the cinema in in many ways.
1: Oh wow, yeah, I, I never seen yeah Day of the Dead. Like, I think the ones I'm just mostly, I mean, I saw Night of the Living Dead. I mean, uh, yeah, I've seen so many horror like or uh, zombie movies like like World War Z. Um, like World War Z had that. Like, I agree with Josiah. I, I, the beginning of it is fine. I think it's great um i really do i think it's some good character development but then it's just it gets so fast paced and and so lost in its story to a point where i don't even care anymore because it's like everything is like because the zombies are like going like 90 miles an hour and then the story is as well so i'm just like i can't relate i can't process
2: and i don't care but yeah yeah so one thing that's the the big difference between dawn of the dead and world war z is like i saw dawn of the dead Uh, a long time ago i I ran into blockbuster video Uh, that's the first time i saw it and it's uh, i think i was like maybe 14 or 15 and it really stuck with me and like it's one of those movies that are very memorable like i can there's so many different scenes that i just like remember um and you know even to this day i still love dom dead so much and i saw world war z batman in the theater and then i also saw it on on blu-ray and i can't remember what happened in the beginning? Like I just uh, all of it is just like forgot it. Oh, it's like and the so family the time, stuff. <laughs> what was it? Oh, yeah.
0: But I, it's I, like him uh, getting his family out amongst the chaos. So,
2: oh, okay. Yeah. And that's and that's fine, I guess. I just it's funny how like you know when you comparing to move those two movies, Dawn of the Dead, I feel is far, far more memorable than World War Z. And in fact, like this, World War Z, that's pretty... Very...
1: I will say that Dawn of the Dead left an impression on me, and like, I guess like what I'm getting to is that. I, I did like this movie a lot more than any other ones I ever watched. I felt like this movie did have heart to it. But I also think it's Ken for- Foray's um, performance. Foray. 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 Ken- I don't For-y? know. It's F-O-R-E-E. It's a foray into like Ken Holder. Foray. <laughs> um, <You're Kane>
0: Holder.
1: <laughs> <laughs> But Peter. Foray Pete... the door. Foray the door. Foray Peter the door. Peter was awesome. I mean, I, I have some.
0: So let's, yeah. yeah so that's, let's segue into this because one of the yeah. questions I had for you guys is this is a once we once so they escape, uh, they get in the helicopter with Flyboy, Flyboy and Franny, are a couple, and the two police officers, Roger and Peter. After this powerful sequence in a basement where the African American cop is killing other people of color that are zombies, yeah. and like crying as he does it, that's the, the the moment where you know he's the he's the star of this movie, really, for yeah, me at least. And they're powerful. all good, I think.
1: That was a great and, way to. Um, yeah, it really introduced a character, especially back then. Because he doesn't say a ton.
0: Yeah. yeah, he doesn't say a ton, which is really makes it. you have to be more – speak more in the few things you do say and through your actions, and he does it beautifully. So then those – that crew takes off. it off. It's all filmed in Pittsburgh. Within the plot, they fly from Philly, uh, Philadelphia. It's it's set at Philly in the beginning, and then they fly to Monroeville, I guess, which is the Monroeville Mall, which is just outside of Pittsburgh. And then they hunker down in the mall, and that's where – the story really mostly takes place and it, and once they get there, there's some zombie action things, but it really slows down and it's about these four characters. So let's talk about the character dynamics in that section of the movie.
1: Um, I, okay. So yeah. So you have the four main characters, you have Roger, Peter, Stephen, and Francine. I like Francine a lot in it. I think she, like, I actually like, really, really like her character. Um, Peter was great. My only issue with Peter is that he turned into, like, Terminator at the end, where he was just, like, unstoppable and just really, really lucky. Like, I feel like he was going... Like, I don't know. He just became Superman out of nowhere. And, like, nothing could affect him. He was, like, four times faster than all the zombies where, like, before he he wasn't. And it was weird. But, like, I I love the character, though. And I, I, I like how um i don't know how he just reacts to everything i feel like he's he's the only character that's processing and i feel like he grows with Francine as well i feel i like francine cuz she does grow too like especially like the makeup scene and there there's just so certain little things about those two characters that really stick to me and uh that i really enjoyed
0: and i think i think also that uh the, the that flyboy steven also grows because he's really the the sort of the hot shot one and like early in the film, he's trying to take shots and he almost kills Peter when Peter's in with that scary sequence where the kids are come out of him and the zombies and they come out and he has to throw him down and just blow him away. And again, like these things that would be really hard because even like though the like, motel it's, scene, right? Uh, the the refueling station. Yeah. So he's like it might it might have been a motel like next to a helicopter landing pad, but he's like in the office type of thing. So, he, yeah, it's in the office next to the refueling station, and that sequence is another one where it's, like, he breaks him down, but that's where you see Flyboy as, as like, I'm going to take this shot, even though he has two skilled guys who are basically sharpshooters, and he's just, like, a dude that can shoot a gun, and he wants to be a badass. But he works for the news, though. I'm
1: kidding. Sorry. (laughs) But you said
0: said Peter, like, he's, like, kind of the Terminator, and he kind of... In a sense, I think that's intentional. That's his, and It's a little bit of his character. He's the effective one. He's always steady. He's always cool. And Roger is kind of like the wild one, and it gets them in danger later. But Roger is wild but effective. And then Flyboy, Steven, is like, I want to be those guys, but I'm not. And he keeps trying and failing. But then later on through the film, like as things slow down, like he and Peter develop a real friendship. And a relationship and then he kind of changes and he realizes okay he it's almost like he finally accepts some of what his limitations are
1: i feel like scott uh or uh roger's character is like the epitome of any bill paxton character in a michael and not a michael bay in a um oh, james cameron james cameron, a james cameron movie <laughs> Michael, Bay just,
0: Michael like, I know. Just <laughs>
1: They're brothers, I think, right? No, I'm just kidding. No. Um, but uh, you know, like like an aliens a true lies. Maybe like, maybe
0: he's like <laughs> maybe he's his illegitimate son or something. Redheaded stepchild. Oh. Uh <laughs> key word being illegitimate.
1: <laughs> it's funny too, because I've seen so many characters, not even just Bill Paxton and James Cameron movies, but just in general, of characters that are like Roger. And I can't think, and I've seen a lot of classic movies, and there's not a lot of characters like that. So I feel like Roger is kind of the start of a trope, which is actually kind of cool, too. He's a trope setter, which is interesting.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, he's the first one that is, like, a main character that gets bitten by zombies and then becomes one. And, it, like, they're emotionally attached to all everybody else. And so, like, his death really affects them. And, like, when he's, like, screaming out in pain, it's like, you see how it wears down on, on the rest of them because that's one of their own. And so he's – and essentially he's, like, one of the first, like, victims like that. Like, again, like I said, Don Dead really sets up a lot of these tropes that – sh- that up and all these other zombie moves later on. Uh, go ahead what were you saying? No, I was say like it
1: it's funny because like I, I would think that Steven would like hate him because I hated Roger's character. Like if I knew him or if I was stuck with him, I'd be like, "You know what? I think I might just want to get eaten by a zombie instead of dealing with you." Cuz he was so obnoxious and so like doing stupid shit all the time. It, it was driving me crazy. Like I I you know, not saying that he was bad, like well,
0: it, it it was affecting. So, yeah, like and I think that's like I yeah, think... he's kind of that wild man type of character. Go
2: ahead but I think I think the, the interesting thing about about that is that Roger so Roger and Peter are basically like the same in the beginning of the movie and then Peter like uh, Roger's the first one to kind of crack even though you think that Flyboy is going to be the first one to crack because he's like the weaker of of the three of them. You think that yeah, they like, are like the same you know, man. Yeah, actually Flyboy becomes a stronger person because of his relationship With Peter, yeah, because like yeah, exactly. And so it's it's interesting that dynamic, how it affects people different ways. And so, well, if Roger can be affected, then maybe it can affect Peter too. Even though Peter's like the strong, you know, elite for most of the movie.
0: They do. kind of tease it with roger though that he kind of would be the one that would kind of crack very early on when they're conducting that raid he's next to like an even younger rookie cop and he's like chewing his gum and he's like it's gonna be cool and then right away that kid gets shot in the head and he's like oh like he like he it's like he really thought like we are bulletproof until he saw that kid get shot. And that's early in the movie. And so I love that it's like that moment where it kind of sets up what will then happen to him. And so let's talk about the sequence. So what happens is, we're talking about Roger, he gets bit and he eventually turns, right? So what they're doing is they're moving these big semi-trucks to block the entrances to the mall so they can secure it, so they can prevent any more zombies or others from getting in, and then sort of handle the zombies that are inside so they can limit the number. And, of course, it goes horribly, horribly wrong. Want to talk about that?
1: Well, I just – God, I just wanted to punch Roger, but I knew he would definitely kill me. Like, if I was in that situation, like, there's no way I would have survived me hitting Roger because that guy is heavily trained. But, like, damn we're talking about the beginning, like with the trucks and everything, right? Where he actually yeah, initially yeah, gets totally. bit twice. He gets bit on the uh the arm and then the leg as he's trying to get yeah, in. Yeah, so I,
0: I think like yeah, he's trying to crawl. Basically, what it is is they're moving the trucks around, and and Peter's in one, and Which they go I back and they no get I no idea they go what they
1: were doing truck. until you guys explained it to me. I thought I was, I just thought they they just wanted trucks. I didn't understand that they were blockading. To me, it wasn't clear.
2: And, and that's that's another thing about this movie is like their plan is is pretty smart actually to block all the entrances so that the zombies can't they don't have the um, the leverage to actually break the glass and get in. Right up until then, um, they seem pretty safe, and they're just like bar- you know like clearing the, uh, the mall full of zombies and they're barricading the entrances. And so this kind of needed to happen to show that hey they're not exactly safe that the world of the uh, the zombie apocalypse can seep in and really affect them. And, uh, I, you know, I love this sequence because it has like some great lines from Roger, like, uh, you know, perfect baby, perfect. And, uh, we got this by the ass, man. Like, it's just like so great, Roger's character. And, uh, but you see him be like kind of cocky and then by him being cocky, it like, he leaves himself vulnerable to get bitten. So it's just like a really great sequence. But where
1: did they come from? That's like, everything's so confusing to me. Like, I know that there's some already trapped in. But there was nobody around, or maybe I'm just remembering. Well,
0: well they're just constantly wandering towards it, and they even mentioned that they're like, "Why do they keep coming here?" And they said maybe it's something inside them, a the memory of a place they used to go, so they just like instinctively are going that's to the building. Yeah. They talk, they mention that when they like first land on the roof, they they don't quite know why, and they don't ever give you a definitive answer but it's kind of like well something innately in them is bringing them here you know what is it that brings them there so let's talk about this this portion of the movie which is really where Romero has what is I believe his message for the film about our consumer culture and you have these characters so after Roger gets bit they're basically having a, they have to cart him around in a wheelbarrow and they're you know moving him around and it's before he turns into a zombie they're having this kind of ideal life And and they have everything they could possibly want because they have access to J.C. Penney and all these other stores. Walden Books was in there. I used to shop at that Walden Books. So J.C. Penney is still there. Uh, The Walden Books is long gone. Yeah, yeah. The J C Penny is now in the movie. It's two stories. Now it's only one, so it's like a sporting goods store on the bottom floor. Wow, so thanks no. a lot,
1: Dawn of the Dead, ruining J, <laughs> J. C Pennies for everybody.
2: <laughs> I think you know, J C the the thing thing is like that to it itself. It didn't even have the J C yet. It just it was just pennies.
0: No, it was still J C Pennies. It was. No, I mean, but at, during the movie, yeah, that was just pennies. The, the
1: pennies the J. C. thing. Yeah. Came
2: later. The,
1: the, zom- well, you know, the zombies took the J C. <laughs> yeah. but it's funny
0: because it's still pennies. That's how my mom refers to it, and that's uh, how. Like even when like Pittsburgh people, I don't know if it's because of this, we would refer yeah. to it as pennies.
1: See, I refer, I refer, well, I, I refer to it as the store I don't shop at. Oh wow. <laughs>
0: You're throwing shade at my mom. Come I on, man. What? Oh. that's not really a shade at her. My mom—that's where she gets all my clothes when she sends clothes out here for my 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 kids. Anyway, not that that specific—not that that specific one though.
1: I go to Macy's, so I'm not I'm not any better.
0: Because it's not even a regular J C. You know what? It was even worse though. It's like now, a, like a jc Penny outlet, or no, maybe it's the Macy's that's an outlet. So it's not the mall is not on great times. But let's talk about the sequence in that in the movie. They basically have it locked down they have everything they could need. there's a gun store there there's everything there so they have ammunition they, they have food yeah Wait. Were, the were, there guns,
1: were there gun stores in malls like okay so we also glazed yes. over a big thing about this movie about the mall itself like at this point in time malls were brand were a brand new concept this was a very very new new thing that honestly a lot of people in America didn't really know about the malls were just a like, yeah it's such a big and knew. when
0: this was built, like I said, I believe in the late 60s, this was the biggest one at the time, Monroeville Mall. And so like we talked about briefly at the beginning, but Romero toured the mall because he knew the people that had just built it you know, through his Pittsburgh connections. Because he did you know commercials, so I'm sure through like doing the commercial accounts that he did. But he said he would go in the back sort of areas, and he realized there's all these fortifications for civil defense. So all these stockpiles supplies all these things that if there were an emergency this would be a place that people could gather that was what how that was part of the idea
1: yeah like natural emergencies like hurricanes and stuff that's crazy yeah Yeah. exactly
0: you know or in pittsburgh like um we it's very hilly so it's not like a huge problem but we do have tornado weather so you could theoretically have the tornadoes as a kid we'd always have tornado watches they could never it was never like the midwest because it's not flat but we'd always have tornado watches
1: do you think they actually had like medical supplies like those stuff they were making uh roger take as you know to slow down the zombie process also what the hell did they give him Did they even say in the movies i don't remember
0: No, I yeah. And I my guess is just that they my assumption would be if you're just treating and cleaning the wound, maybe that's the idea that you can it's like an infection, right? So if you have a cut that's infected, if you clean the cut, it's still a cut, and it still hurts. And it'll heal, it'll heal faster, right? So by that logic, if you're cleaning the cut, like I'm pointing to my head, as I told Tyler, I cut my head (laughs) yesterday. (laughs) And so if, if you're cleaning that cut, right, it heals faster than if you don't. So I think it's just that logic. Maybe they're not putting anything special, but just the fact that they're treating the wound, it's enough to slow it down a little bit. So, But that's the thing. So all this going on, and they're they're just basically becoming consumers, and they're living this sort of ideal life in the mall. They're secure, they're safe. But while this is happening, what we've already talked about, Roger is slowly turning. He is inevitably going to become one of the dead. He's going to be a zombie in in no time.
1: I think that maybe one of the things I disagree with this movie is, I think maybe he, like, maybe this is what we were talking about earlier, where I would have liked it, I think he turned to a zombie too slowly. I think if he had turned quicker and everybody, like, kind of was stuck with him. No? You really like that slow... (laughs) I disagree. Because it made no No, sense. Like, other people, like, 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 Flyboy turned to a zombie like that. Like, like... Not even five
2: minutes later. The the slower it is, the more it affects everybody else because they're just waiting for the inevitable. And it's interesting how you see him; his skin becomes dehydrated. You know what I mean? Like you, you see the physical effects on him, and and you, you hear him, cr- you know, screaming out in pain as he's dying. And so it's like one of their own is dying that you already have an emotional attachment with, and so you need that slow burn to really make it effective.
0: And I think that's the difference between, real quick, uh, sorry to interrupt, Paul, is the, the Romero cut and the Argento cut, because this is the portion that uh, Argento's cut is like 10 minutes shorter, and this is kind of where the stuff gets cut out. So maybe that's the, if you were to watch it, I haven't seen it in a while, but I know that this portion is where a lot of the, the stuff comes out of it, that it kind of gets to those things a little bit quicker. I'm kind of with, I'm with Paul, because this is my favorite part of the Romero film, where it you you get to spend time with these characters, and you see them becoming essentially like zombies themselves, right? and go back paul you have any more so i sorry to interrupt wait, you again wait, wait, wait.
1: Oh, you oh, oh, i actually want to ask about that so are you talking about because i know you keep on saying commercialism like so are you talking about as consumers becoming the zombies like when they're going through with the access to all of the clothes and all the pretty things is that well, what a zombie
0: the zombie is the ultimate consumer it just it, it is out there just to consume literally it's aimlessly looking to eat and devour something. So that's why zombies, even if they're worse, they're still a, a social commentary for consumerism. What is the zombie out there? Even even the bad zombie movies, they, they – just by the fact that they pick zombie, they have a little bit of something to say because Romero already said it well. So – and I mean how can you not? Like you have these people in a mall – in these meccas for shopping. And now, especially, like, it's kind of flipped on its head because malls now, they're all over the country, and a lot of them are themselves rotten zombie corpses. I'm at, and I don't even, I cannot even imagine, I'm not even factoring in COVID into that with how that might have devastated these places even more that we already, we weren't going to anymore. They're just out there. So Yeah, and
1: pictures of abandoned malls are like the most horrifying thing ever.
0: And that's another thing.
2: It's like, you know, a lot of times like uh, you know, with marketing kind of drives people's tastes and the perceptions and in a way by, you know, marketing creates zombies in a way. They create the trends that people just follow. So there's that subtext to it, the whole zombie thing that people are just driven by marketing and advertisements and commercialism. So it's like it works on that way. And the thing that I love about this movie is like this so subtle. It's not in your face. No, trying not at to all. It's completely subtle, and you know very intelligent. Like it, it doesn't, you know, hit you over the head with with these themes.
0: Let's talk about real quick. Are you, do you have a little bit more, Paul? Oh, um, no. I mean, that's that's okay. about it. But well, my next my next question sort of leads us into the thing that absolutely hits you over the head is the gore <laughs> in the blue zombies. So <laughs> the, there's no subtlety in this whatsoever. Part of the movie. What do you guys think of the the almost cartoonish level of gore? and the blue zombies. Okay,
1: I have a lot of opinions on this one. Paul, do you want to go first? Do you want me Oh, yeah, no, no, go
0: ahead. Go
2: okay.
1: ahead. I like the blue makeup. I like it because it looks odd, and also because it's quasi realistic. I don't want to go too much into it, but there is a faction of people in a <laughs> state in the United States called Kentucky uh, where it's disgusting, and don't look it up if you don't know what it is, but there are blue people, and, uh, it, it, it kind of like reminds me of that and disgusts me the exact same way and it makes me repulsed and feel off. Um, and not because of similar things, but it's just the, the color of it. So to me, it actually works. And so, um, I, I like the blue paint. I think I like the, I like the fate, like like the faded, just, just this discolor, this weird discolorment um, of it. But I hate the gore. I hate the blood. I, the blood looks way too fake. It's way too bright. And it really puts me out of the entire movie. And I think... And I'm trying to think of it as well as being in the audience watching the film live, like back then, where everybody was scared of, you know, it, like of a train coming, you know, a, a like not... Okay. Maybe not the beginning where everybody was afraid of that, you know, that clip of a train coming out and everybody like ran out of the theater scared. Um, but like... i I, I, I <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, but like, you know, like horror movies weren't really like like too big, you know. They weren't they weren't a plethora. They, not on, you know October of every year where there's like nowadays where we have like thirty new films, uh, horror films that are coming out throughout the entire month. Back then, they were a lot more scarce. And so I'm yeah. trying to, and think- even
0: just to, just to hop on real quick with even Romero's goal with the original night was all the other horror movies. you know this is ten years before Dawn would. When you would see the gore, they would cut away. Romero's thing was, yeah. "I'm not going to cut away," so that was consistent with his zombie films—not cutting away. So you're going to see it.
1: And I think that's the whole thing. It's like that blood is just way too bright, and it it really, really just takes me out of the out of it. And um, I really wish they used just better blood because I, I mean, because what this is the same year as Alien that had awesome blood, like great. And I also know that they had different. I mean, you know, they they had a different uh, budget, but still, blood is—I I can't imagine blood being that expensive back then, just like it is now.
0: In Pittsburgh, blood's hard to get. I, I guess I don't know. <laughs> I'm from there, <laughs> but I've never tried to purchase large quantities of blood, be, blood, like you probably need in this movie.
1: That should be the city slogan, <laughs> Pittsburgh, where blood is rare.
0: Um. So but speaking of the blood, Romero Romero loved it. Romero loved Romero loved the cartoonish look of it. Tom Savini, who did the effects, did not. So the blue zombies weren't intentional. It's just how things photographed on the film. They were supposed to look pasty white, but just because of whatever makeup Tom Savini used, they then appeared blue when filmed. And this isn't, you know, the day and age where you could go back and post and fix something. Of course, with the number of zombies they have in this movie, it would be quite insane to do that. So
1: I, I think it was so much easier to differentiate them. That's why I liked it, maybe, too. So
2: I mean, uh, the, the thing, I, you know, I, um, I mean, because this is an independent movie, I love this movie because of its charms, and, like, the bright red, like, comic book blood is, you know, <laughs> one of its unique charms, you know, and then, like, the blue... Did comic books have blood at this point? Makeup. What's up?
1: I don't think comic books had blood at this point. I don't
0: think they well, were allowed. It's, like a,
2: very, like, a very saturated red, you know? So it's, like, very comic booky almost like a, you know, very, like... Yeah.
0: Right. even if you're not yeah it's not yeah even if it's not a bloody comic book it's the the kind of the brightness the the brightness of the colors man yeah the, it's, pot, it's, like, bam,
2: bam. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah and the whimsy and uh, you know i love it it's it's like the the, the thing i love about this movie is that it's very like rough anarchic spirit you know like it's it's like it feels like an independent movie it feels like it was made by people you know like it, it's made with love <laughs> made by people movies. i don't think that's true yeah <laughs> just kidding. And, and the thing is like it, it's like you know it's mo- a lot of movies nowadays are like so polished and you know and and i love how they kind of just were being resourceful using what what they had to make this movie and so it's like it has this great rebellious spirit and so i appreciate you know the blue face makeup and or the gray face makeup and the really bright red blood now one thing that I really You're winning like me over there. I'm
1: not gonna lie. You're winning me over on that.
2: Oh, am I okay? And uh, one thing I also like is that because of the face makeup, when they have the establishing shots, you really can see the zombies. Like they really can. They are really, uh, uh, you can see them in a landscape, and so it's kind of haunting to see like these regular-looking faces up close, but from afar, they look very ghoulish, you know, landscape. And so I think it's just really effective and and. I, you know, and
0: your you, your use of ghoulish, I like because Romero he never called them zombies originally. The zombies came later from other people. He called them flesh eating ghouls, at oh, yeah. least for when he was writing the first one because it was originally Night of the Flesh Eaters, and they changed it to Night of the Living Dead. So that's but but he would call them flesh eating ghouls. That was his word. It was very it was. His was uh, very, the original Night of the Living Dead was very uh, inspired by Rith- Richard Matheson's I Am Legend. So those kind of like, they weren't necessarily zombies in, in that book. They were quasi sort of vampire type creatures, but they were basically just a creature that consumed other creatures, essentially. I'm
1: looking up the origin. That's crazy. Well, the first recording of the word zombie is in 1819 from Brazil by poet Robert Suthi. That does not sound like a Brazilian name. Interesting. So flesh eating ghouls, sounds like a sounds like something like from like the Scooby Doo game gang would say like like no, flesh eating totally... ghouls like yeah <laughs> yeah and then like George Romero like like that heavy so, like, nu-
0: is that a zombie there Scoob and then and then zombie zombie Scooby is like you know rips uh, Shaggy's throat out <laughs> anyway. <laughs> If my dog were a zombie, <laughs> that's what he would do. <laughs> so, uh, let, let us let us uh, talk about so as we segue kind of towards the conclusion of the film, and we'll just we'll just uh, round about round our way around our way around, make our way around here to the actual conclusion of the film because it kind of ends very similar to how it begins in complete and utter chaos. So, what happens at the end of the film is the biker gang then comes in. Breaks through, pulls down the barricades. They, they, and it's interesting because you have the group inside. Roger is now turned and uh, done. So it's Flyboy, it's uh, Stephen, Flyboy. Uh, Stephen is Flyboy. So it's Stephen, Peter, and France, Franny. And Franny, by the way, who I haven't mentioned, is pregnant throughout this. And she's pregnant, so she's pregnant the entire movie. And it's kind of like one of those things that kind of can become lost in it. But she is pregnant in this film. So
1: when do they indicate that? I don't remember that at all.
0: There's there's a scene earlier on where like they do something or they make a decision or they when they go through the JCPenney, I think for the first time and kind of barricade them, and it almost goes badly because of something that happens with uh, Roger. And so then after that, they're in like the storeroom and she's kind of angry. And she's like, even though just cause I'm pregnant, I, I want it to be part of the decisions. And I think that might even be where she's also like, I want to learn to shoot. And I, or I want to learn to fly the helicopter, all these things kind of, which are going to be important for this sequence, because it's like, she's becomes aware, like, even though she's physically kind of the weak one, because she is pregnant and, you know, a woman who's not a trained well, and- army
2: person, <laughs> And also, the thing about Fran is, like, I love her character arc, how she starts off as, like, this submissive woman that's just along for the ride, and then she learns how to fly the helicopter, she becomes more assertive, she learns how to shoot, and so she becomes more a part of the team, and she becomes more an assertive woman, and, like, has that sense of empowerment, and so I love her arc because she, I mean, she, you know, I I love that arc so much.
1: Yeah, like, at first, she's a producer in charge and then, like, yeah, what Paul's saying. I like the fact that where she's just kind of like an equal.
2: Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, and essentially, that's it, it's just a great arc that they, that she has. Um, and it's funny that you because like they actually have a conversation about um, you know, are you going to keep the baby or not? Like, like they have this conversation. It's up on the uh, in in their apartment. They have that conversation. It was like early on that they mentioned that. and then later on they have like this. uh this montage like they kind of flash forward after um after roger dies and and it shows her like she's arching her back and rubbing her belly and she's like really pregnant she's like i'm a couple months pregnant um and i specifically love this montage it shows her putting her makeup on um and then it, it shows like the apartment the apartment's all furnished and looks like actually like a home and then it, it goes all the way up to um, the roof. And you see Ken Forey is playing tennis on the wall. And, you know, you see them kind of like living their life outside of, you know, the zombie apocalypse. Like they're kind of making do with, uh, you know, these horrible circumstances. But so, ten, you know, uh, you know, Peter's playing tennis on the wall and, and he drops one of the balls and it rolls off the roof and, and goes to the bottom floor and and bounces but you see like a ton of zombies um all over the place even more zombies than when in the beginning of the film and i just love that edit i think it's a very cool edit and very creative how you like follow the tennis ball and slowly like their their safety and security is just like a thin facade you know and it's just like those are the zombies this is an ever on the present like this is a threat that's always at their doors no matter how safe or secure they pretend to be another thing uh that, wait uh,
1: can, can i say one thing uh, on that note yeah. i i just for me it was like the, it was the funniest thing in the world and it really bothered me but also i thought it was more i know i thought i just thought it was hilarious and like the weirdest thing but like when he's playing tennis he is hitting that ball with like all the force in the world and then <laughs> then they would cut to the wall and the ball will just ever so lightly just Hit 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 the uh, hit the wall and just lightly bounce off like it was just the it was just like the weirdest thing that like I I think I went back and re, I think I rewatched it like I rewound it so
2: many times before because he'd be like Gah! and it'd be like Boop. I think I think it's funny <laughs> that you noticed that and not that a woman was pregnant even I know told, I know like, like, the whole movie like what like, <laughs> I know it's it's
1: it's weird my my mind works in in strange ways. Um, we have
0: different uh, uh, rules of physics in Pittsburgh, though. So yeah. just <laughs> <laughs> FYI. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, tennis balls bounce differently there. So, it's,
1: I think I think that's why the Williams sisters refuse to play. <laughs> yeah, they, they won't play the
2: Pittsburgh Open. We'll go anywhere but Pittsburgh. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, love the, uh, I love that, how, like, the zombie apocalypse is, like, crushing them, you know, like, no matter what. And, in fact, uh, they have this small happy moment where uh, Fran and Flyboy, they have a, a dinner together. And and Roger's there, and he's like their waiter, and they have like a nice move. They have a nice nice steak dinner, and uh, you know Roger goes out, and he sees. Um, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Peter goes out, and he sees Roger's grave, and he has like some wine, and he remembers his friend, and then they cut to the scene where it's Fran and Flyboy, and they're in the bed, you know, after the, uh, you know, had that sex. What? And they were. Like, oh my God, Paul. Distance yeah both of them are like looking out in the distance like like all you know like it's like this happy moment was tainted by like the the overwhelming pressure of everything that's going on outside, so it's like all these scenes are like very effective in just establishing like hey, maybe they're safe and secure, but it's really by a thin line
1: yeah it, it's it's like like that like that glass where she was staring at that kid zombie and like it, it like just that 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 little bit. Is what's holding them kind of safe? It's crazy. Yeah,
2: there's basically not much difference between them and the zombies. Like,
1: I, I also love that scene of because I love Francine's character. I think she's awesome. But I love that scene where she's just sitting there and just staring at this zombie kid and the zombie or like a you know, zombie teenager or whatever. And like they're just and they're just locked eyes. And like yeah. they, it was like the, it was like that part of like you know of the little bit of a glimpse of humanity that's still left within them. But like but they're just they're gone still and.
2: It's just crazy. Like it's yeah, like what you were saying. It's just that and that it's line. like the scary thing about zombies is like that loss of humanity, you know? That you see your friend there and they're not they look like your friend but they're, you know, completely gone and just that and and the compelling thing about Day of the Dead is with Bub, you kind of see a little part of humanity coming back and so you wonder where is the line between humanity and a zombie? Like where where do you actually fit, or and, or
1: where, or how does a zombie not become a human again? I guess too.
2: Yeah, there's that, there's that thin line, and so like you also what I what I really like about Day of the Dead is Romero's like, oh fuck it, let the zombies have it. Humans are horrible, and they destroy each other and they kill each other. The zombies just you know feed into their 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 impulses, and so the zombies are more pure than people in a way because they don't kill each other they just feed and that's it they're yeah. simple
1: and they don't know there's like no there, there's no there's no process of it
2: yeah i have i love that whole narrative thread through through the all three movies where you know don and the dead, you have humanity fall the society falling apart and kind of trying to survive on their own even like killing each other and the day of the dead is like we've lost and this is how we've dealt with
1: it is there a reason why they didn't call this dawn of the living dead and then day of the living dead oh i have no idea i I, I don't know oh okay because it seems like it seems like this is a really hard trilogy like
0: well um so one thing too is romero actually said when he worked on the first one he had a bigger more ideas that would inevitably it's very george lucasy george romero pulled a george lucas where he's like oh i have two more that i'll do set these aside for later and those were the other films, at least in some form or for ideas for a story. I don't know how sort of knocked down it was. But like I said, the original title that, the title that Romero had was Night of the Flesh Eaters. That was the original title. They, The the, the distributor asked them to change it to Night of the Living Dead. So maybe part of it is they just weren't – Romero and his, his side wasn't necessarily always crazy about that. And Dawn of the Dead, a little bit more simple, a little bit more clean – little bit more effective so and I, and I think at that point that that must that's my guess as to why but also one of the issues with the title living dead right night of the living dead so when they changed that title they lost the rights to that movie because copyright law at the time said the copyright had to be on the film that it was released that so that's why anyone can release a copy we could have, hold a screening and make money on night of the living dead Holy crap. Um, Romero, Romero and a, and a other bunch of guys from Pittsburgh that he made that original one with do not make money on that film because anybody can because it fell into the public domain. That's So Night of the Living Dead fell into the public domain. So I don't know if that might also be a factor in why the name is different. Not sure.
1: What, but, what's the other movie where they put it in the wrong date in Roman numerals?
0: I'm not sure about that one.
1: I thought was we were... the same
0: thing so it basically destroys your copyright. I thought we talked yeah. about that at every was podcast. Was it a tennis movie? <laughs> <laughs> the John McEnroe story, which we yeah. about. We're talking about that next episode. Um so uh, back to the the film in hand. So like kind of what Paul talks about is you have the crushing inevitability of this apocalypse. And one really interesting thing about Romero's films is the zombies are dangerous and they will hurt you but like he, like Paul said they're just they just consume mindlessly. There's there's no intention behind it. It's not evil necessarily. Then the biker gang, this marauding army shows up. They're going to take that mall. That's going to become theirs. And
1: meanwhile That's my that's my least favorite. Like like honestly, I hated it. I hated the whole thing.
0: And I, but I think that that, that you're supposed to kind of hate it. I I think we've talked in the past about this film, but I think what happens is, at least Romero's message is we are what's going to destroy us. We always what it is is we will always do anything we can to hold on to what's ours, and we will create someone as the other. That biker gang is the other. Someone whoever is the other, we create this otherness, and we very much do it in society. And it creates a sense of uh, fear and fear can i mean i'm yoda here fear leads to aggression <laughs> i know that's well, not the yoda quote but <laughs> I, I wasn't trying to quote yoda but that, that's what's happening and in and, and the film shows you that very powerfully like uh this ending it's 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 kind of interesting compared to the first ending because the the night of the living dead is absolutely the most like at least in my life, the most shocking ending to a film I had ever seen, at least as a kid, where all through that movie, Ben, like, keeps it together, basically tries to keep other people alive. He's the level-handed one. He's kind of like the Peter of this movie, not just because they're both black, but because they're both the steady character. And then at the end, he hunkers down in the basement, and he survives the night. He comes out to get killed by some random, like, redneck guy. Like absolutely like just super like you know kicking the balls of an ending like more than any ending that i at least like i said as a kid had seen so the this film you kind of have the it's a little bit different where the biker gang shows up and essentially brings the zombies with them right so it's kind of like even more chaotic whereas in the previous movie the zombie stuff all happens the night before things quiet down and then rednecks show up but in here it's like the chaos is in Everything collides at once.
2: So, the, I mean, the interesting thing about like Night of Living Dead is that you know they kind of comment on it's very uh, you know it, it said kind of during the civil rights movement, so it really resonates so much because of that. And then this movie resonates because right around nineteen seventy eight is like kind of like the female empowerment, you know, and and so it, it's 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 again the subtlety is there. It really it, it shows how much. Exactly. And it's not hammer over the head, it's just a narrative thread or part of the connected tissue of the movie. Yeah.
1: I, I, I think I that's the thing I maybe I think about. I think that the invasion is cut so choppily it's so chopped up and so weird because like there's a part where both Peter and Flyboy are downstairs and then you see Peter go up the escalator and then Flyboy just miraculously is up and it's on the, the second floor. And then they just keep on switching different places and it's all over the place. And then like they'll be right next and getting hurt by people on motorcycles and stuff. But then like but the cut before that, they were upstairs. And it's just like it's it's weird and it's so hard to follow. And I think it's 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 and I know like the beginning was chaotic. I think that it wasn't chaotic. I think it was sloppy. I think it was all done sloppy, because I was getting so confused as to, okay, I was, I was trying to figure out where the hell is everybody, and I don't understand why they didn't, cause they knew they were coming, you know, they sent a warning and everything, and then they heard them, and they saw everything that was going on, they could have just, I, I feel like, especially Peter knowing this stuff, he should have known a way more tactical thing to do. Setting traps, you know, Home Alone style and stuff like that. There were, there were things that they could have done.
0: But I think it's, it was time, though. They, they called them on the radio. Like, they saw them coming. They called them on the radio. I think it was, you know, you can't Home Alone it that quick. I think that was it. It was, it was like, quick, like, in terms yeah, of them coming. It, it was. Time to prepare yeah, I think that was what that um, was there. And you know what? You know what's.
2: It, the funny thing is, if you think about it, very at the, at the beginning of this film, um, when you have them flying over, like, the countryside of, like, the, I don't know, the... Uh, yeah, that's like the where bro- I grew up.
0: That's oh, why I by the way. That's where I'm from. <laughs> yeah. Are you from Pittsburgh? You see footage... I'm from the forest, right next to Pittsburgh.
2: You see footage of, literally. like, the rednecks, they're shooting, like, stray zombies, you know, and, and they're, like, uh, like trying to clear out the area. And if you think about it, those are the same kind of rednecks that, like, ended Night of Living Dead, right? And so you fast-forward months later while they're in the mall and i feel like those those guys were like the the um evolution of this biker gang and so no matter what the outside world is going to like no matter how safe they think they are going to be the outside world's going to come in and and you know uh, invade them and so um so yeah I, I, it's interesting i did now that you mention it it's like that I think the the biker gang and is kind of like the connective tissue between both movies, you know, because they kind of ended a uh, Night of Living Dead, and now they're ending Dawn of the Dead. Like the evolution of them is ending Dawn of the Dead. So,
1: I, I don't know why, but I'm picturing like a Pokemon thing. It was like it was like, oh look, little redneck evolved into biker gang member. <laughs>
2: like yeah, we have. Uh... It was where my it's uncle, Squirtle, <laughs> and then now it's Blastoise.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right? that's
0: what. So, with... Tom Savini. Uh, <laughs> and for um, my Pittsburgh people, it'd be like Gins always. Yeah, I, I will say Pittsburgh this. Thing.
1: I, I will say the stunts are great, honestly, especially for little budget and stuff like that. And Tom Savini's a hoss, but man, like, still that editing though. That editing, is, it's tough to watch, especially that. Like, it, it's weird and.
2: Well, I think... I think the thing is, like, George Romero, like, he actually um, got to start editing movies, and he also shot commercials, and so he used to shoot a lot of footage and then assemble it all together in the edit, and so I think... And he did edit himself. Yeah, he does edit himself. That's crazy. I think it's, uh, he kind of shot a lot of footage of the motorcycle gang, and he kind of just didn't know how to piece it together. Yeah
0: you know and but. i think this is a big leap for him too and like if you think about romero as a filmmaker this is the by far the biggest action sequence he's ever done and on a small budget so i think there's a certain element like to the chaos of okay how do i do this how do i cut this and i think he i i i feel like everything you're saying is probably intentional by romero and i think in part because he realized it's hard to follow anyway because of the logistics of the way they had to shoot it in the mall. So he just went with that chaos to make you feel sort of disjointed as you watch it. I think that that's my guess without any real... Insight, but I think that's what he was trying to do. Just because, like I said,
1: if he did, then it, he, then he should be on. Like, then he should be highly regarded, like Orson Welles, then to like everybody because that's brilliant. He, at
0: least in terms of zombie films, man, no one. Like I said, yeah. like no one did zombies like Romero did. And he some he has some other films that are really worth watching, like Martin from around the same time. Um, some later things. Creep Show, highly underrated, different kind of movie. But the zombie movies, like he said, things that everyone else is trying to say or just repeating since then, really. Um, and even the good stuff that's come then. But let's talk about the ending ending of this film, because this is the interesting part. So we talked about the ending of Night of the Living Dead. This ending was also originally going to be super, super insanely bleak. So originally, there's the part where Franny's up at the helicopter um Flyboy turns into a zombie, which, by the way, the best zombie walk ever. And even Romero has said so, too, that that zombie walk that Steven does where he seems to have no ankles as he's point. shuffling forward. Yeah. yeah, it's just amazing. So uh, Peter takes him down. Peter's at the ladder. Considering going up, the zombies are coming in. He has that little derringer or whatever it is, and he is going to shoot himself in the head. He is going to kill himself. Up, up on the helicopter, Franny is about to you – know, Flyboy has since taught her how to fly – and she is – in the original ending, he shoots himself and she puts her head into the chopper blades, <laughs> and, which is kind of why they had that zombie at the beginning, which was teased. That was meant to be like kind of like a foreshadowing of what's going to happen for, for Franny, that she's going to chop her own head off. But Romero, I understand that's what he wrote but never filmed it, thank God, that they decided, OK, he said it's 10 years later. He doesn't want a bleak ending because – it's and it when we say hopeful, it's like barely hopeful.
1: Yeah, you know yeah. what I
0: mean. Like it's it's but they they there's do. There's no direction to, or
1: goal or like anything. There's yeah, no plan. There's no to, nothing. To it's just Penny's they just fly. Favorite
0: song right now, my daughter Penny's favorite song. They go into the unknown. <laughs> oh my so god! I wish she was here because you would hear her echoing that singing in the background if good she song. was awake.
3: <laughs> it's a good
0: but, song. Oh, she. Her favorite song ever. Well, she's still too. a Let It Go fan. She's she's old school for Let It Go, but she. Perf- it's yeah. <laughs> funny, like
2: the uh, the head exploding scene in the apartment building. That was originally supposed to be um, Galen Ross's head yeah. that she was going to use for the original ending, and uh, they end up using it for like one of the best head exploding scenes of all time, <laughs> where literally that head exploding
0: scene is like. Tom Savini blasting it with a shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> like, had a shotgun and just, blew just it away. like, independent filmmaking at its best yeah, right I, there. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, it's like, yeah, we'll just fill it with blood and shoot it with a shotgun. <laughs> and that's, that's the kind of thing where they probably had like one take. That was yeah. it. Like, we got to make it work. It's like, can we get this on film? So, <laughs>
1: i i like the ending i, I like I, I i i love peter's line too or i just i just love that exchange where you're just like you know how much gas do we have and jesus is like not much and then it's just like all all, all of that that whole exchange was just kind of like it was a sigh of relief but then a sigh of also worry and at the same time um and disbelief as well it was just yeah like what you said it was just they lost they didn't really win they escaped but did they
0: earlier in the film when they first get the helicopter it's the again the foreshadowing for this moment where the guy that like i don't know if he's the helicopter guy who he is i don't it doesn't, I don't, it doesn't really matter i think he might be one of the other cops he's like it's all done man it's all done and then he, he says uh maybe we can make it to the island and then i think it's steven it's like what island he's like any island he's like he asked them where are you headed and and steven's answer straight up it's like that even then they end up at the mall but they didn't know they just were going like and there's one point where franny and steven were talking about like well what about our original plan to go to canada but they don't know what's going on in canada you know what i mean that's like they don't know. like they just don't know they don't know where to go And we haven't talked about it much but throughout the film you get like little hints of like they, they're watching the tv and the media and the news which was very predominantly used in the original film that's how you got a lot of the exposition in night of living dead so in this film they kind of do the same thing but the cool thing is, in this film, it's the guys you see at the news station in the beginning. But it's like it's just them, and it's like the world is completely gone around them, and they're still somehow on the air. It's like these are the last yeah. two guys on television. And look at them
2: like, like iPad scientists, and he's, yeah. like, dummies, and he's like
1: dummies, we have dummies, dummies, like... orson Yeah, Orson. Yeah, he reminded me so much of Orson
2: Welles.
0: Our major cities, like yeah. Um, and
2: speaking of that, I, I think there's a lot of nice touches with this movie, like at the very beginning, um, when they take off in the helicopter, you know, they, they pick up and then you see a, um, a skyscraper in the background and you just see the lights turn off. And uh, so it's such a nice touch to show that, like, you know, society is slowly falling apart, whether they like it or not, and, and uh, they kind of just don't know what to do. They're just trying to fly by the seat of their pants. Um, I love the ending. I think I think if they did the original ending, I think it would have been too bleak, and I don't think we would be talking about this movie today if it went with that original ending, because it just would have been too bleak, and I don't think anybody would have really um, like loved it as much as we all do. And uh, because this whole movie has like this kind of you know satirical, whimsical tone, and it balances out the horror horror and the comedy like really well in the way that Shaun the Dead does. Um. So, but so if the original ending was that, it would have been too bleak.
0: Yeah, it's almost like that ending would take it away from being a satire and just yeah. I make wanted, it. I would exactly. rather. Impressive.
2: I would rather see the characters,
1: like no, I I would like to know that they actually grew. I guess, and you know now I, I don't know. It just again the uncertainty is such.
2: It's so cool. I disagree. I disagree. I, you know, I I like the fact that when they first came there, there's zombies all over the mall. And, you know, they cleaned it out, right? And they set up a home, and their home was invaded, and they're forced to leave. Um, And so, and then right after, like, the zombies came back. And it's like, it doesn't matter what they did, whether they closed up the mall, they put the trucks there, they made it the home. They did all these things, and all of that was just pointless. Like, because zombies will take over anyway. Yeah, and, and the biker
0: so, gang doesn't have the mall either. That's the thing. It's just yeah. zombies have it. And, and so I think that's really that's a really
2: great idea that no matter what we do to create some kind of safety, it can be easily unraveled. And so it's, it's, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, like that's what the great thing is. It doesn't matter. Like the zombies just kind of took over them all again. And, you know, they fly off. And, uh, I know that, um, she's, she says, uh, Oh, it, it's, uh, uh Ken Forey He says, uh, how much gas we have left. And she and Francis not much. And, you know, they fly off. And I love how it's ambiguous. You don't know whether they survived. You don't know whether, you know, they died or they went to another location and got killed. Or it's like you kind of left open. And so, and and that's a thing, what I love about, um, you know, like the Walking Dead comic is it really picks up the thread of what happens after they leave. Like what, you know, because a lot of zombie movies kind of, because of this movie end that way in then ambiguous way. And so you, you don't really know what's going to happen to them. And it's interesting to see like what happens, you know, your brain wanders and, and tries to figure out like what's going to happen to them in the future. It could be, you know, anything. And so I, I like the fact that it's ambiguous as opposed to being definitive, you know? And, and that's the thing. It's like all these people feel like real people, like everything that they did, they reacted in ways and they, that, Really, um, I feel like real people would react so like, like when Flyboys fighting that zombie in the beginning, and he's like really rough and rolling around. It's like that's how people would fight zombies. Like they wouldn't be like pulling out kung fu or being a John Wick out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they would, like, would pull out kung fu. You better
2: believe <laughs> it. And so, like all these movies nowadays, it's like they fight with zombies and they like have it taken care of. Like they they know how to shoot a gun, and they're like. You know, all of a sudden they have military training. And it's like, I love how these characters are so rough. They're very human. And so you root for them because they're kind of... The the, they're li- they're, Except they're for the guys
0: li- that actually have military training in this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. yeah and but, that's why, I know, I'm just joking. I think I'm that's just joking. why Peter,
2: you know, was able to take out someone of the bike again. Because he actually has training. Like, he is, you know, he's
0: training. No, trained. and they establish in the beginning of the film when, like, that's a, like, we haven't talked about it in length, but it's a raid on like Martinez and some criminal enterprise in this tenement, which also there's, it speaks to issues of race and things that we didn't really go into, which there's a lot to be said, especially in that sequence. But that part where you see, like it establishes them going like him going after people and attacking people and taking out that threat, the threat of other people of opposing people.
2: Yeah. And and the sad thing is like, there's a lot of people that are innocent in that building and there's like, they become collateral damage, you know, Okay. while they're doing that raid. And Peter Peter and Roger have to kind of contain the other cops because they're all unraveling. And so, I mean, it really, again, the subtlety, it show, it tells you, like, hey, this society is really unraveling. Anything can happen. Holy shit, that guy's head exploded. Yeah. Anything can happen. And I love that tone. Anything can happen in this movie. Like, we are not safe. No matter how much we lie to ourselves and think we're safe, we're not safe, and that's a great. That's a great. I mean, that's really scary to have that 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 you know that message throughout the whole movie. Like we're we're not safe, no matter what we do, we're powerless to stop what's you know the
0: inevitable. Well, I don't know if this movie was depressing, but Paul sure Scher- just made me depressed. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But I think I think <laughs> no, I think that's, that's why the horror works I got so you. well. No, I totally think that's
2: why it does. The horror yeah, works so well in this movie, and uh, you know, it, like. That's why I think this movie's so effective. It's like it's like it balances the horror and the comedy so well and that's why it's it's groundbreaking. And that's why, you know, we're talking about this movie like 40 years later or 42 years later. And, you know, I don't think anybody's going to talk about World War Z like 42 years. Yeah, after, absolutely though. not.
1: I mean, they're still talking about a sequel after so many years, but they don't talk about the actual movie itself still.
0: I mean, Brad Pitt's fantastic, Pitt elderly, oh, though, fantastic though. book. Definitely read the book, World War Z.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Read yeah. the book, Max Brooks. Sure. Yeah, Max by Max yes, Brooks. Yes, Max
0: Brooks. Awesome. But, cool.
1: um, you know, and, and that's the thing, like I was saying before, I don't like zombie movies, but I did like this movie. And I, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think I would give this movie an 8 out of 10. Uh, it's not a
0: zombie, Tyler. It's not a zombie movie. It's about flesh eating ghouls. That's what it
1: was. It's my favorite flesh eating ghoul
2: movie. And <laughs> yes,
0: <Yeah. laughs> well, why isn't the genre called that? Because
2: Scooby Doo ruined it for us. So Tyler, what was the tipping point? Like, what what made you? What changed your mind about this movie?
1: I I think that like some of the montages were just so were good, and I cared about the characters. Um, uh. there are certain things that I would change. Like I would still change. Like I, I don't want to like you know talk about it I don't want the episode to be too long, but like I would have changed everything with a rating where they were going after the helicopter and everything else was just extra like I thought it was kind of weird with that they were going after the money, but I also understand the con- the consumerism uh aspect of it, yeah this film. I think that's
0: what it was I think they're like I said, they're just going after the mall, yeah, I, and, you know not so much, and the look, money's there, and they are just too stupid to realize, well, what is this
1: yeah, you know it, they, they yeah. like but.
0: They just—they're going after the mall. Yeah,
1: and and I think that that's maybe what we would have seen, you know, more of. And so maybe what I you know, I think maybe what I was expecting was something a little bit more tropey. And maybe it's good, and, and that it is good that I didn't go that route. But I'm just also not accustomed to it, where it's good to see a movie that doesn't do that. So I, I think it's because of. I like the characters and I like the, and I, I think it's just, I think it's is executed well, especially for an indie film, especially for an indie film, you know, way back when, the beginning of essentially horror and film. So it, it's, I think that's why I like it and it resonates more with me. Now, other Was ones... this
2: your first time watching it? Yeah, or... this is the
1: first time you're watching this oh, film. Is. I had oh, seen Night of the Living Dead mm-hmm. when I was younger. And then I haven't seen it since then. I just know I didn't like it, but maybe if I, maybe it might change my mind now. But
0: yeah, okay. I think if this we'll talk was, about think... we'll talk about that next October. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
2: definitely think you should take a rewatch on Night of the Living Dead, and then when you get the chance, watch Day of the Dead because uh, Day of the Dead is really really um, it's more it's way bleak. It's like bleak in the same way that the original ending is, but uh, I mean it has some merits. It has like it introduces a lot of really great ideas.
0: So, Paul, any final thoughts on Dawn of the Dead? Um, I just you
2: know what I love about this movie is that uh, George Romero. Um, I noticed I didn't I'd never notice this before, but in the credits, his writing and directing credit, or wait, a, a, his directing credit is like sandwiched in with other production credits. It doesn't have his own title card, and I think that kind of speaks a lot to his how he's kind of a salt of the earth, like just a regular guy. You know, he's like, he doesn't have like the sense of ego or anything. He's not a flashy guy. He just wanted to make a movie. And, um, I, I especially love how this movie is shot. It's like, you know, very shot, like a commercial as very, you know, regular, like regular movements, nothing fancy, no crane shots, just establishing shots. And, you know, like sometimes you zoom in on zombies or something like that, but it's a very like, um, like, I, I guess like blue collar way of shooting, it's a very movie. Pittsburgh
0: way of shooting it. Yeah,
2: very, very Pittsburgh. <laughs> but
0: and, yeah, um, it's like that idea. Like Pittsburgh, P- Pittsburgh as a city but, is like but, the rep- You know, it's a, the working class, the steel city. It's like that kind of thing, and that's why and that's, Romero as a filmmaker really reflects that for someone who is from there. And Tyler's going to make fun of me in a second, I'm sure. Well, let, let me see somebody, a, no, let's let's say get, one thing. Real quick. From there. All I'm saying is that it has an
2: authenticity to it because of the way it's shot. That it really adds more realism. to to the events of the movie. Um, I I think that, you know what I mean? It's like the way, because it's not like a commercial, it's like you're in there, you can literally with the events that's going on. And so it really, um, you know, elevates the movie.
0: Like you because like I I, I I think I've shared this before with you Paul that you could like take the zombies out and it's almost like a, a commercial for the mall, yeah. the way it's shot. <laughs> yeah. you, know? you know, especially the sequences like at the very end and when they first get to the mall, like at the very end once it's taken over, it's got that like music it's like and then just like shots. Shots! Zombies on the ice rink. Zombies over here. Zombies on the escalator. Zombies in the fountain. Like it's just it's showing
1: you the wall. Did y'all notice that the that the music from the Monty Python and the Holy Grail at the beginning with like the title card where they talk about the moose and everything like that? That's in the movie.
2: What? Yeah. That's in this movie. Yeah.
1: Not in in Donna in Dawn of the Dead the the beginning song where it's going through. All like the title, it, or, or it was like, it was like, uh, like all people who mentioned the mooses have been sacked and stuff like that. Dun 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 dun, like where it's like, what's it's like those little, like those little wooden things. Dun-dun. Dun-dun. It's yeah, it's it's, it's, it's in the like movie, it's style. crazy. Maybe
2: it's the 70s. Style no, it is,
1: it is the exact same song. So I, I, went, I went and looked at it, into it, and hey. it
2: was, and I was like, what the heck? It's I'll crazy. blow your mind further, you know, like in Shaun the Dead, the the, um, the, uh, Titles and stuff like that. Yeah, like that's actually music used from Dawn of the Dead*. Like a lot of, uh, yeah. I can't wait to go back and watch the Cornetto trilogy. Um, Gorillas actually used the, um, you know, the scene where it has a helicopter zombie and he sees the rest of them. That dun 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 dun. Like so, a lot of a lot of that goblin music is used by so many different people because, like, they just love this movie. It's like so uh, just. Like it, it just permeated uh, pop culture in so many different ways, and
0: uh, yeah. So. <laughs> well, the, the the Romero version isn't the Goblin music; it's the Muzak version. So it's like the more like that mall generic. Like it's there's different music too in the different cuts. So it's to make it even more complicated and confusing for All, audiences.
1: <laughs> also, the Monty Python song is apparently called Ice Flow Number no. Nine, and yeah, oh. it was it was it was used for, dawn of the, for Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> That's crazy. It was taken from the Wolf
0: Music Library. Um Yeah, I know I know that basically what Romero did was just use a lot of sort of stock music and music yeah, like that. Because he and it's kinda it's kinda goes with what Romero was trying to do, what Paul was saying with how it was shot. That it was just like these things that kinda almost in a sense were like familiar but used in a way that made it kind of feel unsettling. Like you know what a mall looks like. You, you but now here's a zombie shuffling through it, you know like the sound but with it, yeah, so that kind of that's the vibe I was going for, but so it's cool to learn that where these connecting threads that I didn't know connected, yeah, so any final 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 thoughts um,
1: I like the movie uh I would never take tennis lessons from Peter,
0: but shooting lessons highly recommend shooting
1: yeah, absolutely, but shooting lessons absolutely
2: I mean uh I pretty much said everything I'm gonna say about the movie. I mean, I, I I fucking love this movie. Um, it's 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 kind of like The Shining. Like every time I watch it, there's something new I will take from it, and you know this time was no exception. And I, um, if you ever got if you ever have the chance, I highly recommend watching some of the documentaries of this this movie, like how the way it's shot. Um, there's this particularly one documentary, um, and it's Greg Nicotero, um, who did the special effects in uh, Walking Dead, and he actually. Um, also Ken from Pittsburgh. A, um, I'm sorry? Greg Nicotero from Pittsburgh. Oh, is he? Oh, okay. This is how he got
0: to start. Yeah, through Romero. Oh.
2: Um, and uh, so he's, he, he shot this, like, uh, Ken Fury was doing a, um, a mall tour for Maroonville Mall, and he was, like, showing all the different locations of Don of the Dead. So I highly recommend watching that. Um, and I, I just, you know, I, I kind of wish movies were made in the same way this movie was made, you know, where it's just, it has this, like, rebellious spirit and it just like exploded because of its authenticity and it's like sincerity, you know, Calling kind of like Mad Max. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just, if anything, I just hope that movies like, you know, 40, for de- 40 years from now, there's a movie that came out that affects people the way Don the dead has affected us.
3: Yeah.
1: I-, I think they have, it's called from Justin to Kelly. And, uh, it was a, it was a Justin, Tem- it was a, uh, I don't even know their, their names anymore.
0: American Idol, yeah. oh. Kelly Clarkson. Kelly,
1: Kelly, a, a, a Kelly Clarkson well, driven that, video. Kelly vehicle. Clarkson
0: was Kelly Clarkson was one of my first celebrity sightings in LA when I first came out here, and right around the time that movie probably came out, but a little bit later, at Barney's Beanery. If you know where that is, any LA people, it's like a bar. It's like in. Uh, it's like at Santa Monica and Wilshire isk. Not exactly there. I'm forgetting exactly where it's at, but in that part of the town. So, sort of between Hollywood and the West Side for L.A. people. So, you know, but the reason... Also, <laughs> one
2: thing, I, I, when I was watching the movie, I thought of, like, every time they did a take, George Romero would stop and go, that's how we do it in Pittsburgh! <laughs> like, it just cracked me up. Oh, I thought you were
1: going to say something about, like, like this movie would be better with Kelly Clarkson in it, which I would agree,
2: too. I'm so, just kidding. <laughs> I just think of, them, like, with those big Harry Carey glasses being, like... That's well, how it put in Pittsburgh.
0: <laughs> he didn't have the glasses yet, though. Yeah, He's I know. Young, young I Romero, free those glasses. Free glasses
2: we should do video. I think it would be more
0: effective if we do video. Anyway. Um,
2: um.
0: So the the reason we picked this film, I picked this film specifically, this was my choice for the month of Halloween. It's a very special movie to me. Like I said, growing up as a kid, Zombie movies were the only scary movies that I was okay watching because they were, as a Pittsburgher, they were ours. Like, uh, I met Tom Savini when we screened uh, Day to the Dead with my film festival. One of the things he said there was that he thinks every kid from Pittsburgh wants to grow up to be a zombie. And at least everybody in that crowd, all of us geeky kids that, you know, didn't make the football team or didn't try to make the football team. And I like football. I like the Steelers. I'm a Pittsburgh guy. But – he was right about everybody in that audience at that screening. We wanted to be zombies. We would do anything (laughs) to be a zombie in a Romero movie. Like that would be like a dream come true for any Pittsburgh kid. So that's why I selected this movie. It's, it's a, it's personal because it's impacted me from a story point of view and things like that, but it's also from where I'm from. So that makes it the connection even deeper. And it's one of those things where it's a point of pride. I have nothing to do with it whatsoever. I am, you know, but I used to shop at that mall. So I knew those places, those you're, you're, fountains.
1: You're lucky. I'm from Austin. All we have is that John Travolta Michael movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they, the fountains in the mall when I was a kid, like, like if you go to that mall now, those fountains are gone. But the, those uh, fountains were still there when I was a kid. I used to throw coins in them. And I used to think about like a zombie flopping into that water. That guy, the, the big guy in the bathing suit when he sort of slides into the water. I always think about that as a kid. I'd think about that when I'd like throw a coin in there. So that is why I chose this film, because I, I I love the film, and it's also that weird point of uh, civic pride, I guess, being from Pittsburgh, and Wait, are you it's... from Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh? I, I, I... You have to ask my mom. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So, um, oh, but also, one other thing, so since we're talking about Dawn of the Dead, on my YouTube channel, I actually, uh, we got, I already plugged t-shirts seven hours ago at the start of this episode, but... Be sure to check out. I did a couple of videos about the making of and sort of the history of *Night of Living Dead*, *The Mall*, and *Dawn of the Dead* that just kind of throw in a little bit of my perspective on it. So go check those out on Josiah is right W R I T E and do the whole subscribe for t-shirts thing.
1: Absolutely, Paul. Where can they find you?
2: Oh, arcade Blackfire, black not block. So <laughs> just uh, point that out. Uh, so yeah um all and right here. absolutely
1: and thank you so much for listening in uh definitely take advantage and get a free shirt from us uh it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun and uh happy halloween this is a good episode to start off with this month uh we have some exciting stuff coming out the the remainder of the month and we can't wait for you to listen in Have a wonderful week. Follow us on all the social media and all the stuff. Go to our website for articles, videos, and all of the rest of our podcast. We have eight different shows. And please wear a mask. Because it's Halloween. Yeah, right? Yeah, because because it's Halloween.
2: Halloween. (laughs) Happy Halloween.
1: (laughs) Happy Halloween. Halloween. And GGG.
3: GGG. grand geek gather